0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Truth. I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Heston, back with a brand new episode here in The Truth. Back with my boy, AJ Ponciano. AJ, how are you doing here today?
1: I'm doing good. How are you doing now?
0: Doing great as well. So we're doing the Thursday night special here today, week 15. Kind of hard to believe. Just a couple of Thursday night games left. to help you guys are excited for another edition here of a Thursday night special. As mentioned, week 15. But before we can go ahead and take a look at week 15, Thursday night match, we have to go ahead and take a look at a more riveting Thursday night matchup last week that we weren't expecting between the New England Patriots and the Pittsburgh Steelers as the Patriots win on the road 21 to 18 the Patriots improved to 3 and 10 on the season the Steelers fall to 7 and 6 for the Patriots Bailey Zapp goes 19 for 28 for 240 yards three touchdowns and one interception with Ramondre Stevenson out, Ezekiel Elliott took the lead. 22 rushes, 68 yards. Also had seven catches for 72 yards and a receiving touchdown. Juju Smith-Schuster, four for 90. Hunter Henry, three catches, 40 yards, and two touchdowns on the day. On the defensive side, Jelani Tavai led the team with eight uh, eight tackles. Kyle Duggar had half a sack. Barmore had half a sack, and uh, Mark Mac Wilson, excuse me, had a sack as well. For the Pittsburgh Steelers, no. Kenny Pickett, an even greater problem. Mitchell Trubisky, 22 for 35, 190, 1-1. One one. Also was their leading rusher, kind of sad to see. Eight rushes, 30 yards, and a touchdown. Najee Harris, 12 rushes, 29 yards. Jalen Warren, seven rushes, 11 yards there. Receiving end Deontay Johnson, three catches, 57 yards, and a touchdown. Jalen Warren, four catches, 29 yards. On the defensive side, Cam Hayward, injured his groin, but was able to lead the team with five tackles. Also had one sack. Uh, Alayden Roberts, also injured his groin, had a sack as well for the Steelers. So, you know, this is a big win there for the Patriots over the Steelers, more for the Steelers' purpose. I mean, the Patriots kind of improved their draft position, which is probably not the right thing to do. But the Steelers, you know, lose the game that they shouldn't with a seven and six record now. Currently, still sitting as tied for the number three and number two wild card spot there. But there are six teams. I repeat, six teams with a seven and six record: the Steelers, Colts, Texans, Broncos, Bengals, and Bills, all with a seven and six record. So talking about dropping a game there, that could end up being crucial for them for them down the line. Anyways, go ahead and give me some takeaways from this matchup here.
1: I mean Bailey Zappi looked great in the first half. I mean, but looked horrible in the second half. Like the defense really turned it on for the Steelers in the second half. Bailey Zappi had two touchdowns in the first half. Uh, really high completion percentage. I think he was pushing like 190 yards. Uh, so he only had like 50 yards uh, in the second half. But in the first half, he looked great. He was coming out, making throws that I wasn't really expecting, pushing the ball downfield. And then with Zeke, I mean, he. This is his first game. I think he truly has had the number one role. Obviously, with Rondre Stevenson out. He's really the only running back that's on that roster, and it shows. He was him and Bailey Zappi were the only two players to rush the ball. As you mentioned, Zeke had twenty-two carries and seven receptions. Look right there for fantasy wise, but also just kind of turning back the clock. He wasn't. He wasn't that much of a dominant rusher, like uh, uh, going outside the tackles and breaking out the huge run, but. Use was uh, ground and pound, just right in between the tackles, just pushing the ball out the field, especially later into the game. And also, this Steelers offense sucks. I mean, <laughs> can he pick it or not? Trubisky in. I mean, Trubisky had a very mediocre game. I mean, I'm not surprised by the numbers. A lot of rushing yards rushing touchdown. A touchdown and a pick, just under 200 yards. I think that's a very Trubisky line at this point in his career as a backup. But, I mean, they weren't able to do anything going. Najee, 12 carries, only 29 yards. Uh, Jalen Warren, seven carries for 11 yards. I mean, just they weren't able to get anything going. Passing him, Deontay Johnson had that touchdown, but that was really it. I mean, three catches there. Jalen Warren was more of the receiving back with four catches there. Pickett had five catches for only 19 yards. Uh, they weren't really pushing the ball down the field. I was watching the game. Uh, it just, Especially in the second half, I mean, they were not getting Pickett, Pickett's involved. Uh, and they were trying to, but they didn't. They weren't successful at it in any type of way. They didn't drop any of the right plays for him. Uh, he was visibly upset uh, on the sidelines. I know they kept on panning over to him. So it's just, there's a lot going on right now. It seems like the locker room and the coaching staff have kind of don't, aren't connected anymore. It seems like uh, Mike Tomlin, I mean, he's a great head coach. Don't get me wrong, but it seems like he's kind of lost the locker room a little bit. Like players are getting upset on the sidelines. They're just... Mad that they're not able to really do anything. And I can't really blame the defense because the defense really turned down the second half, uh, especially with uh, being in Pittsburgh, that stadium. Like you can clearly tell the difference between the first half and the second half when the Steelers were playing. They had plenty of opportunities to go down drive. They had the ball plenty of times to go down and at least just get some type of score towards the end of the game. I think they had like three possessions in the last like seven minutes, eight minutes of the game, and they did absolutely nothing with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, this was just an interesting game, right? We expected this one to be a defensive battle. And in the first half, as you mentioned, like the Patriots just like exploded on offense. I personally wasn't watching this game. I didn't really have anybody in fantasy. I just didn't look at the Patriots-Steelers matchup and expect any excitement, but it did have some excitement, particularly in the first half. You know, the Patriots weren't able to score in the second half, but the 21 points they got in the first half behind Bailey app's three touchdowns were enough. You look at the Steelers as well, right? They drop another game, as you mentioned, maybe losing the locker room a little bit. They're on a two-game losing skin now. They were 7-4. A lot of people were thinking, including myself, how are they 7-4? Well, they showed their inconsistencies there, but the Patriots' offense, at least to start the game, was a bit explosive. Now, for them, Obviously, they're not going to be in the postseason this year, but are they going to be able to maintain that for the rest of the season, right? Like, there, can their offense be sustainable? Obviously, a change at quarterback, Mac Jones, was very good. Bailey Zapp was very hyped up after the game, if you guys cannot tell, which respectively so. But at the same time, you also got to remember that this is a team that's not very good, has one of the worst, if not the worst, offenses in the entire NFL it's also an NFL team, so they're going to have their quote unquote fluky game. And was this their fluky game? You know, are they going to be able to bounce back next week and come away with a victory? But for Bailey Zapp, who's also struggled as well, I feel like last year when Mac Jones got subbed out for Bailey Zapp, there was a lot more like Bailey Zapp hype, and Bailey Zapp was actually a way better player. But this year, that just hasn't seemed to be the case thus far. So my biggest question mark down the line is are the Patriots going to be able to sustain it? And I don't think they're going to keep Bailey Zapp as their starting quarterback. I do think they're going to go in the draft and find one. There's a lot of good quarterback candidates that Bill Belichick could use. You know, whether Bill Belichick's there or not, I still think Bill Belichick's going to be there. Robert Kraft has made it apparent that he does want to keep Belichick. But regardless, like the Patriots, if they go with a new coach or a new general manager or whatever, they're going to go want a new identity, right? Get a new quarterback, try to start like a new Tom Brady era. So I see them for sure getting a new quarterback and probably a new scheme whatsoever but what are they going to do right like are they going to go out and get a guy in the draft are they going to pick up some budget guy they're going to try to find the next brock purdy like what are they really going to do and on top of that they're going to keep baby zapper mac jones on their roster we obviously saw the texans um you know did davis mills early on in the draft the third round used him for a year and then kept him on the roster when they picked up Stroud. so a lot of question marks there for the patriots but As far as this game's concerned, it was just good for Patriots fans, I know, to finally win and and see some offense production. I've been there, okay? I'm a Vikings fan. I'm an Iowa Hawkeye fan. I understand terrible offenses. But being able to get it done, especially on the road, especially in Pittsburgh, and kind of derail the Pittsburgh Steelers' hopes of making the postseason, even though they are still alive, that's this game the Steelers thought they could really win. And with how tightly contested this pack is, it could have been a game that could have single-handedly put them in the postseason. So, you know, a little bit of crushing souls there for, for Belichick to do that. But that's just what Belichick does. Can you do it again next week and crush another team soul in the Kansas City Chiefs? All right, let's go ahead and take a look at this week's Thursday night matchup, an AFC West battle between the Chargers and the Raiders. Go ahead and give me your two keys to success for the Chargers.
1: So our first team for Chargers is, again, is Easton's take of, involving other guys. We saw it last week uh, when he came in with the, with Justin Herbert getting injured uh season ending injury uh where he's getting surgery now for it for that shoulder but when he came in he was able to get other guys going I mean obviously Keenan Allen's gonna be the number one guy there uh last week against the Broncos. Yeah they they only scored seven points in that game. Uh but Easton stick was 13 for 24, 179 yards in that time uh Keenan Allen six catches, 68 yards. But he was able to get Quentin Johnston going, uh three catches, 91 yards had explosive play there. Eckler, uh, five catches, 49 yards, but on the ground, 10 carries, 51 yards, uh, and a touchdown, so 100 combined yards there. I mean, he's just going to be able to have to get those other guys going. Guys like Quinton Johnston, who wasn't able to really get going with Justin Herbert. And I mean, there's a good chance. There's also a good uh, connection between Stick and Johnston, just because maybe if Herbert and him weren't able to get going, maybe Stick, Easton Stick and Johnston were, were able to during uh, pra- during practice and all that and be able to just give more guys the ball. Uh, I don't think Joe Everett's going to be as big of a factor. He may be a good PPR-type guy, uh, just middle of the field, kind of just dump it off to him, but he's going to have to get those other guys involved who weren't able to really get going. And Austin Eckler is going to have to really step it up. I mean, he's had a really bad season. I know he had a great first game of the season, like over 200 combined yards, um, and then was injured for like four or five weeks and then came back. But ever since then, ever since coming back, he really hasn't been able to do anything. Uh, not a lot of carries on the ground. He'll get a couple of receptions here and there, but we haven't seen any explosive plays. We And that's someone who's really going to need to step it up, especially with having your second string in, having a franchise quarterback and Herbert go down. The running back's going to have to take a lot of that, uh, take all of those carries. got to be able to create something a little bit more than what he's been doing instead of having to kind of sit back and let Justin Herbert do his thing.
0: Yeah, you know, you talk about this Chargers team as a whole. Now they got to play without Justin Herbert. And Justin Herbert, you know, fractured his right index finger. He already had a fractured finger in his left hand. So poor guy's got both hands with fractured bones. Um, I'm pretty sure that one on the left hand didn't require surgery, but still, I mean, that's got to be painful. You know, they were talking about it in the broadcast. When I was watching the Chargers game. Just, you know, under center, like having that force on your thumb or finger, whatever one it is, like that's just got to hurt so bad, even though it's wrapped up. So, Kind of a weird situation there. But, you know, for the Chargers, is this what they need? Like, I mean, obviously Herbert was our pick for MVP this year. That's not going to happen. But, you know, maybe they just need a change of scenery. I don't think Easton Six your guy that can go win you a Super Bowl. But maybe it's a little bit of a spark they needed. They're also very... I should say they're in, a, they're in a good match because they're facing a Raiders team that got shut out by the Vikings 3-0, to and a Raiders team that's been struggling as well. If the Chargers were just able to win a couple games that they should have won, I mean, this is a Chargers team that could still win the AFC West Division. The Broncos are ahead of them. The Broncos are just one game out from the Chiefs. So just kind of crazy to think about there, um, you know, different types of successes that certain teams have had, particularly in the division. But it's just really interesting to see. So my first key to success is just playing without Justin Herbert and put in there, is that what they need? Do they need some type of spark there? I'll be honest, Easton Stick didn't look great in the one game that I was watching for the Chargers um, last week, you know, when they were facing them, so we'll see what happens. But secondly, I said keep Eckler on the field for 75 to 85% of plays. Look, I feel like Austin Eckler is one of the best running backs in the league, and he's utilized maybe 50% of the time. And I don't get it. I mean, every time I watch the Chargers broadcast when they got these guys that are broadcasting the games, they talk about this. They talk about how, you know, he's not utilized. And I just don't get it. He's a great running back. And I know there's durability and trying to hold on to running backs as long as possible. But running backs are scarcity. They only got five, six years of really solid seasons. And I feel like the Chargers are just wasting Austin Eckler's ability to be effective running back. He's a great pass catcher. It's the same thing with Alvin Kamara in New Orleans. And I think teams are trying to go to a two running back system when in reality, I mean, teams that have a great running back shouldn't need to go to a two running back guy. Yeah. You know, there's always a risk for injury, but I feel like running backs are going to get injured regardless. I mean, Austin Eckler is a guy that's been injured really his entire career on and off. So I don't understand why, they don't use him. So, being able to use him 75 to 85% of plays, even if you don't run with Austin Eckler, if you just put him in there as a decoy, because, you know, if they just put him in there, then obviously they know they're going to get him the ball. But, you know, I think this is going to be a good opportunity for Eckler. Backup quarterbacks, a lot of times, like to dump it off to their running backs. That's where Austin Eckler and that Chargers offense had success in the past. Calvin Moore, the OC, didn't do a tremendous job of that in Dallas. But I think they're starting to realize Austin Eckler's skill set a little bit. But yeah, just get him on the field and get him in the end zone. I mean, that's just – it's just flat-out important for the Chargers if they want to have any type of success, in my opinion. So that was my second key there. Okay, your two keys to success for the Raiders.
1: I mean, what score point this week, Raiders? I mean, not scoring a single point, being the lowest-scoring game in NFL history, 3-0. to zero, I mean, the Vikings' defense really isn't that good. Uh, the hey, offense was. hey, it, hey, hey, hey. I mean, it's true. You can't tell me I'm wrong. Just, the Raiders just suck. I mean – clearly i mean devontae adams had a good amount of catches there uh, i want to say uh hunter renfro had like the longest play of the uh in the entire game with like a 30 something yard catch i mean they were not able to uh, push the ball down the field josh jacobs really didn't do anything so i think the goal for the raiders this week i mean let's just score a point i mean it, it'll be an up it will be better than last week i mean last week he didn't score any so i mean improvement's improvement i guess but let's just score a point let's make it a little bit more competitive it also seems like Chargers and Char- Chargers and Raiders games, uh, whenever they play each other, it seems like it's always a good game. I always think about that game uh, where th- there's that game-ending field goal, like where they could have taken the tie and both teams would have made the playoffs. Uh, but the Chargers called a timeout, so the Raiders are like screw, it, let's kick the field goal and just kick him out of contention. Uh, I, w- I always go back to that game whenever I think about uh, Chargers versus the Raiders. Uh, but also being able to push the ball down the field—that was the big thing I wrote down. As yeah, it was 38 yards was the longest play of the of the entire game uh, for the Raiders. And like I said, it was a pass to Hunter Renfro. It wasn't to Devonte Adams, even Jacoby Myers. Like Hunter Renfro, your slot wide receiver had the longest play of the game. Uh, they got fixed that. I mean, it was just bad last week. They couldn't do anything with the ball. Now defensively, they were solid. I mean, only holding the Vikings to three points. That, that's solid, but there was also a QB change in that game. Like the run game was all right, it wasn't that good. The pass game really couldn't get going. So, this is a whole just, just played better. I mean, I, there's no other way to say that. You didn't score, you played good defense. So, the offense just needs to play better this week.
0: Yeah, I mean, I had the same first key to success. It's more of a joking one, but I said score a point would help, right? Like, it's the same thing in baseball, it's the same thing in pa- basketball. Like, if you don't score, how are you going to expect to win? Um, you know, the the Raiders offense, I honestly like the Vikings defense was really solid last week. It's not like they were like the Raiders were getting a lot of turnovers. They just were not being able to move the ball down the field. But you know, for the Raiders being able to score a point is definitely gonna help. And um, secondly, I said get to Easton Stick early and often. I feel like that's what the Broncos did a good job of last week when they were facing Easton Stick from the get-go and getting him going. I thought it was important to kind of put pressure on a young quarterback like that and an ex- inexperienced quarterback. Look, I believe Justin Herbert has not missed a game in his NFL career. So being able to get to Easton Stick early is definitely going to help you know, getting him a little bit more under pressure. The Raiders' defense is obviously pretty solid. I mean, they held a prolific Vikings offense to, to three points. But, now the Raiders' defense is pretty solid. And um, it can get to, if it can get to Easton Stick early, it's probably going to be a low-scoring game. But it's definitely going to help the Raiders have a better chance of winning this game here compared to you know, the Chargers game going with Easton Stick. And honestly, I mean, Easton Stick is like a, a fresh light because obviously Herbert's been banged up all season. They lost Mike Williams when they faced the Vikings. So they've kind of had a banged up season, and Six, kind of some fresh legs. And again, Herbert has never missed an NFL start before. So just kind of a change of pace there for the Chargers, who you know have, are used to having Justin Herbert and his durability, which is just great to see. But getting to a young quarterback, especially an inexperienced quarterback, is going to help them out tremendously. All right, let's go into the fantasy portion. Go ahead and give me your must-starts.
1: So my first starts going to be Devontae Adams. I think he's going to have a solid game here, uh, especially going into the first week of playoffs. Uh, you need your stars to step up. As I mentioned last last week for the Raiders, Devontae Adams didn't have like, a big yardage game. He did lead the way with 53 yards, but he did that with seven catches. So if you're in a PPR league or even half PPR league, he got you more points with your receptions than he did with his yards, which you could take as a plus or a minus as like it's a good thing but it's also a bad thing so he's getting a lot of targets he's um getting a lot of catches there but he just wasn't able to get upfield and I don't really uh blame that on him but I guess the Chargers defense who really hasn't been that good I mean especially in the past game uh last week against the Broncos uh Russell Wilson was 21 for 33 224 yards uh two touchdowns and he did not have an interception in that game but they kind of just and but it wasn't really a high-scoring game, at, and they not re- they really haven't had the weapons. I think if Devontae M is able to get going, uh, this team is going to be able to score a good amount. Uh, Josh Jacobs has been very lackluster these last few weeks, which definitely sucks for fantasy owners. Uh, you, like guys who are right on that fringe to making the playoffs, and then he just really hasn't been there. My second one is going to be Austin Eckler, as I mentioned before. He has to step it up with Justin Herbert being out. Herbert, uh, being that franchise quarterback, not having him there. You need your star running back. As you mentioned, he's a top like five running back in this league. He's one of the best dual threat running backs in this league. He's up there with Alvin Kamara uh, uh, for receiving and rushing. He's able to do uh, both very well. But he hasn't been able to do that. And this is where you really have to step it up. I can see him uh, gain a lot of fantasy points here, especially in the receiving game. Uh, Easton Stick just dumping the ball off to him. But that also really relies on how much they use him. As you mentioned, uh, he only plays like 50% of the time, it feels like. Uh, he's able to get up to that 75, 80% mark. I mean, he's going to be able to get you a minimum 15 fancy points. He's one of those things where there is no more bye weeks uh, at this point in the year. You're going to have everyone at your disposal. So, Eckler was definitely your first round pick, and you have to start him. I mean, it's one of those things, same with uh, Adams, even though they really haven't been that good all season or very underwhelming to your expectations. So, our season is one, those are guys that you have to start no matter what.
0: Yes, my first one's going to be Quinton Johnson. Now, if you guys heard the preseason shows, I was really high on Quinton Johnson. And he's really kind of established himself the last two weeks. At New England, had 10.2 fantasy points, and then last week had 12.1. So starting to integrate himself a little bit more, which is typical of these younger wide receivers. You know, as the season goes on, they start to get more and more um repetitions they start to get more and more production things of that nature and yeah that's one of the reasons why i'm excited to see what he's going to do this week at las vegas obviously with mike williams going down i thought there was going to be an increased role with Quentin Johnson, it hasn't really been the case thus far, which doesn't mean that it's not going to be. But, you know, I think as time goes on, then, yes, maybe it will be a little bit more of a production standpoint. But this is a week, you know, he's a big ball threat. Three catches, 91 yards last week. You know, I almost got to the end zone there. So good opportunity for success this week, I think. I think it's a good matchup. And, you know, you're going to hit the ball, a home run with Quentin Johnson or you're going to, you know, strike out. But I think, you know, if the, the trending... The trending direction is starting him. He's more maybe of a sleeper. I probably should have classified him as a sleeper. But if you have Quinn Johnson, you've been kind of waiting for a week to use him. I think this is going to be his best week yet. And I think he's going to get into the end zone for the second time this season, which would be great, obviously, for fantasy purposes. Second, I'm going to go with Josh Jacobs. He is questionable at the moment, so I don't know if he's going to be playing for sure. He did suffer a knee injury in week 14 and wasn't able to return, leaving him questionable on a short week's notice for Thursday night. But you know, a lot of people have been a little bit skeptical about Josh Jacobs. You know, the week before, he actually, well, there was a bye week, but the week before that, 22.5 points, 20 rushes, 110 yards and a touchdown. Last week with the Vikings, 13 rushes, 34 yards. So not tremendous, but It was also because he got injured as well. So, you know, I think a lot of people are a little bit scared of a guy like Josh Jacobs, who is not fully healthy per se, especially on a short week, and just scared of the production that he may or may not have. For me, I'm avoiding, or I'm not avoiding Josh Jacobs. I'm avoiding other running backs in the Raiders unless Josh Jacobs is not able to go. You know, then I'll look at a guy like Amir Abdullah or something like that. But I think Josh Jacobs has proved himself all season. Yeah, he's had a cut, had a couple down weeks, especially to start the year. But he's really established himself as a very reliable option. And as long as he's able to stay healthy and be on the field for the Raiders, look, they had not scored a lot of points. So they're going to look at their big guys. And Aiden O'Connell You know, is, is this fine rookie quarterback, but he's a guy that's not necessarily going to jump off the page of talent. So we'll see what happens out the line there. But I think Josh Jacobs is another guy. And then I'm going to go ahead and go with Gerald Everett. Look, the the tight end room has always been interesting for the Chargers, right? You got Darnell Parham, Gerald Everett, guys like that. I haven't seen too much production from both tight ends, like where I'd be insanely starting one. But if I had to pick one this week, I'm going to go with Gerald Everett. I look at productivity. Five catches, 39 yards, four for 44, and four for 43 the last three weeks, including a touchdown there in week 12. You know, four or five carries, sorry, targets for a tight end, you know, capabilities of getting in the end zone. I'm going to pick that over Darren Parham. But you never really know. Again, Easton Six, a new quarterback. It's kind of a weird week when you have Chargers on your team, especially to be in the first week of playoffs because, you know, it's important to, you know, win. But you don't know what connections Easton Six is going to have. You don't know. Maybe Keenan Allen, who's been, you know, the Chargers' number one or Herbert's number one, is actually his number three. Do I think that's going to happen? No. But you just never really know. So, I think you can have some consistency at the tight end position, and that's why I think Gerald Everett is going to be a guy that can be consistent for you, especially in this matchup this week. Okay, what about any must-hits? So my first
1: one, I have Jacoby Myers. I'm not a big fan of him. Outside of two two weeks ago in that Kansas City game where he had six catches for seventy nine yards and a touchdown, he hasn't had over fifty yards uh, in eight straight or sorry six straight weeks, uh, and with that time, he's only had one touchdown, and it was that game. Uh, against Kansas City. The last time he played the Chargers as well, uh, he had four targets, two receptions, thirty-three yards. Outside of that, he really hasn't uh, had much production, as I said, his last few especially with Aiden O'Connell. Uh he did have a rushing touch, a 17-yard rushing touchdown uh four weeks ago. But outside of that, I mean he has he's gotten targets, and he's gotten a good my catches, but he really hasn't been able to push the ball field. Uh he's gotten last few games, 25 yards, 79, 45, 21, 38, and then 19. With a good amount, with okay amount of targets, except for the 19 yard game where he only had the one target, he had 5 2, 5 7, 6. So the targets have been going up, but he really hasn't been able to bring the ball downfield or get him to the end zone. Uh, like I said, the last six weeks, he's only had one, or he's had two touchdowns, one rushing, one receiving. And the last time he played uh, the Chargers, this was with Jimmy Garoppolo at a quarterback, but uh, that was his low, lowest target game within that. Uh, span. The first couple first couple of weeks was 10 targets, 12 targets, and then against the Chargers, it dropped down to four. And then the week after that, 10, 17, and 13 targets. So against the Chargers, they kind of were able to figure him out. And my next one's going to be Gerald Everett. I mean, I feel like Joe Everett's really only on the team because Justin Herbert loves going to him. I, I can't re- name any other quarterback who's, like, relied on Gerald Everett. And also up to this point in the year, he only has 34 catches, for 293 yards and three touchdowns, he really hasn't been able to get going. His last touchdown was three weeks ago, uh, where he had four catches, 43 yards. The last two weeks, four catches, 44 yards. Five weeks or five receptions, 39 yards. So uh, he's a good PPR type guy, but uh, right down in the middle of the field, and it could be valuable for Easton Stick as that re- that reliable guy right in the middle of the field. But uh, there's a chance that he gets a touchdown, but again, he's only had three touchdowns all year, and that's with Justin Herbert at quarterback, in comparison to Easton Stick. And Justin Herbert loves Joe Everett. I don't know why he loves going to Joe Everett, but that seems to be uh, his number two guy right behind uh, Keenan Allen. So with Easton Stick in, I would try to avoid him this week. And also earlier this week, he was limited at practice uh, with an injury. So even if he is good, uh, he does play this week, he's probably going to be a little bit a step behind uh, everyone else just because of that injury and that he's already an older tight end the oldest tight end on the roster. He is is still only 29, but it seems like he's been in the league forever.
0: So I'm going to go with both quarterbacks as my must-sits. I think these are guys that can be classified as must-sits or even busts, especially when it comes to playoff season. I mean, maybe if you're in a consolation bracket and want to have some fun and you're a fan of the Chargers or the Raiders, you'd start one of these quarterbacks. Easton State came in last week, went 13 for 24, had 179 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. So, 5.16 fantasy points, I mean, you look at the touchdowns, touchdowns are huge, especially for quarterbacks who have high yards, right? Like you expect, you know, them to get in the end zone once or twice, and he just didn't do that last week. So I don't expect that to be tremendous this week. Obviously, he didn't get rid of the ball either, but, you know, 179 yards, 5.16 fantasy points is not going to cut it, right? So it's just one of those things you want to avoid as much as possible. Same for Aiden O'Connell. Look, Aiden O'Connell. Only rostered in 2.1% of leagues. His best week was against Kansas City, where he went to, had 248 yards, one touchdown. Last week against the Vikings, had 171 yards and one interception, so it wasn't very good against the Vikings. But it really just had a stagnated career at least to start, you know, he is a rookie. So getting a little familiar with things in the NFL, but hasn't had tremendous success, which is kind of something that you'd expect, especially initially early on. So for me, I'm avoiding him as much as possible as well. Like I said, I think these guys could both classify as busts, but, um, you know, for some reason you want to have some fun, throw them in there, but they're not going to provide you, you know, with a, a lot of optimism or a lot of success per se. All right, what about sleepers?
1: So my first sleeper is gonna be Quentin Johnston. And it's mainly going back to last week, uh, where he probably had one of his, his biggest games of the season uh, for the against the Broncos. He had he only had limited enough catches, three catches, I believe it was what, 91 yards there. So not nothing huge. I mean 12 points if you're in PPR League 9.1, if you're in the standard league. So he was able to do a good amount, but I think with Easton Stick. I feel like they have a good connection or will have a better connection than Herbert and him. Obviously, Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler are going to be the number one, number two guys. But if they take him away, Quinn Johnson is really the only other guy. And I don't see Easton Stick just sitting back and being super conservative. Uh, I'm looking right now on football, uh, pro football reference, and this is his first career start. And outside of last week's game where he came in, the last time he played in an NFL game was back in 2020. So it's been three years since he's played in an NFL game. And I think he's going to really take this chance to go forward. So that's why I have Quentin Johnson, but that's also why I have Easton Stick as a potential sleeper. I don't, I, like I said, I don't see him just sitting back there and just being super conservative with the ball. This is his first first career NFL start. He was drafted back in 2020, and that was the last time he played in a game. And in that game, he only, he only had one completion, one attempt in the game for four yards. So it wasn't like he was in the game uh for a long time and he was just going to be that guy who came in and for like a spot start Herbert's been there so he hasn't been able to play and I don't think that he's just going to sit behind uh and just let the game just go and be a game manager he's got the rest um, there's a good chance that he's going to be the starting quarterback for the rest of the season obviously with Herbert out I don't know if they're going to go sign anyone or start or uh go start anyone over him just because he's been on the team for so long so that's why I have Stick in there as well. I mean, this is more or less like if your quarterback's injured with all the injuries there has been, you need to go pick up a quarterback. Uh, I think Easton Stick, out of like the back of quarterbacks, has like some one of the biggest opportunities to be able to go out and have a big uh, boomer bust type game if, if you really need it.
0: So, my first sleeper is going to be Jacoby Myers. Look, I've been sleeping on Jacoby Myers all season. He had a good spam of weeks five to seven, good week in week nine, and good week in week 12. Last week, five catches, 25 yards, just 7.5 fantasy points. He's rostered in 80% of leagues. He's a guy that you can fit in there at your flex position. He's had six touchdowns on the year, had two touchdowns in week one. I think that's his most memorable performance. Nine receptions, 81 yards and two touchdowns. You know, he hasn't developed as great of a connection with Aiden O'Connell, as he did with Jimmy Garoppolo, but that's okay. I mean, he's still a guy that's going to be looked upon a lot for them. So, A lot of opportunity for success for him. I'm liking the matchup this week, as you mentioned. Aiden O'Connell, you know, for wide receivers, obviously, especially in PPR leagues, tight ends are important, but more than anything, receptions are important as well. And I think that's going to happen here, you know, with with him. Um, I think he's going to be able to get the receptions, even though Aiden O'Connell might not, jump off the page of fantasy value. He'll be able to get Jacoby Myers some receptions and maybe get into the end zone once or twice, especially being a Thursday night game. So looking at your rosters there and looking at a sleeper potentially, I think Jacoby Myers is a perfect sleeper. I'm also going to go with Michael Meyer. Um, I love Michael Meyer. I liked him a lot coming out of the draft. You know, he's averaging only 4.4 points, hasn't had tremendous season this far. One catch for 14 yards, two catch for 27 the week before that, or his last game, I should say. You know, five catches, 75 yards against New England. He got his first touchdown against the Jets, three catches, 19 yards, and a score. So, you know, there's been uh, maybe not as best of a, a, t- a rookie campaign like a Sam Laporte or whatever, but he's still a very reliable tight end. You know, the Raiders obviously drafted him pretty good capita. And, um, you know, wanted to be the tight end for the future. I think he is going to develop a little bit more of a connection with Aidan O'Connell. I've always liked tight ends on Thursday Night Football. I just feel like they always get, you know, good repetitions and they're really reliable for their team. So I think it's a perfect opportunity for Michael Meyer this week. I think there's a lot of opportunity for success and really just curious to see what he's going to be able to do when given the opportunity and, you know, again in a Thursday night game. Primetime game, last primetime game he was in on Sunday against the Jets. Ended up coming away with a touchdown, his first touchdown of his career. So I think there's a lot of things to be excited about with him in this matchup. Okay, and then your bus.
1: So my bus is someone that you're probably going to start either way, and I'm going to go Josh Jacobs. The last time they played earlier this year in week four, uh, he had 17 carries for 58 yards, a touchdown. He also had eight receptions for 81 yards. Uh, that's what Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback and in that game, that was the most catches, his most targets and his most receiving yards he's had all season was in that game. Uh, but these last few weeks, yes, he has had the rushing upside, but he's also had really uh, bad games. Uh, last week, 13 carries, 34 yards, reached before that 20 carries, 110 yards. So a good game there. He also had four catches, 15 yards. He really hasn't been used much in the receiving game. So I don't expect him to have eight catches for 81 yards again in this game. As you mentioned, uh, he he is so questionable for this game, I believe, uh, with that injury. So there's a chance that even if he does play, he will be a step behind as well. Uh, And on the ground, 17 carries for 58 yards. That means he was only averaging 3.4 yards per carry. He did have that touchdown, which helped. But as I said before, that that game really depended on his receiving uh, with eight catches, 81 yards is where he got a bulk of his fantasy points. And again, and these last few weeks, if you take these last four weeks, uh, even five weeks against the Giants, uh, he's had six, eight, he's had nine catches in the last uh, five games. And one of those games against the Giants where he didn't have a single target out of the backfield. So Anil Conroy has been using him in the receiving game. So I wouldn't expect that. Uh, Jim Garoppolo is being more like a manager. I'm not surprised he had eight catches, but it's, it's been ups and downs. I mean, It seems like every other week he he breaks 100 yards, which this week it would be that week because he only had the 34 yards. But with the injury, it is questionable. He's set behind. Either way, if he is healthy, you're probably starting him because he was your first-round pick. But I wouldn't have high expectations for him.
0: Yeah, so my first bust, I'm going to go with Darnell Parham. So I'm taking one as a sleeper and one as a bus. The one I'm going to take as a bus is Darnell Parham. Obviously, Parham is a bit more um, faster tight end compared to Gerald Everett. He's had three solid games, but the last like five, six weeks have not been very crucial. One catch, 11 yards. Two catches, 20. Zero for zero in the last three weeks. So, hasn't been a guy that's jumped off the page. Is a very successful guy, in my opinion. I think that continues, especially this week. Who knows, though? Maybe Easton Stick will develop a connection with him. Parham is explosive. He's very fast out of the, po- out of the pocket. Running his routes, you know, good route runner, all that good stuff. So, there is potential to get him going. And he might be one of those guys that breaks the page, but especially in this fantasy matchup, especially with the stakes that are on the line at this point in the season, I just think he's one of those guys you have to avoid. Even if you have a soft spot for a guy like Donald Parham, you know it's 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 not cutting time, right? It's crucial time here in fantasy. So being able to come away with guys that are going to be solid, I don't think he's going to be one of them, um, especially in this Thursday night matchup against the Raiders. And secondly, I'm going to go with Hunter Renfro. Look, Hunter Renfro has been very disappointing this season. He hasn't gotten over 9.2 fantasy points all year, so hasn't hit double digits once. On top of that, last week had three catches for 46 yards, but had a crucial fumble against the Vikings, and that helped the Vikings come out with a victory. So, you know, they're not probably going to be looking to him a lot, obviously. Um, the Raiders weren't very fond of him when he had that fumble. So it's just not been a good season for Renfro, especially with the season that he was having last year. I was expecting to have more production. He just really hasn't. He you know, he's only rostered in 3.6% of leagues. I think some people are holding on to hope, but it just seems to be that hope is is falling away very quickly. He also looks like he's a hundred. Um, so, you know, one of those guys that's going to be a little bit older and a guy that's not going to be as explosive as maybe he once was, even though he's not ridiculously expensive. We obviously remember his connection there with Deshaun Watson uh, at Clemson, but Alright, Glenn, give me your game prediction.
1: So, in this game, I do have the Raiders winning even though I think Easton Sick will have a solid game. I think then the final score will be 28-20. I think that the Raiders are definitely going to play a lot better than they have been uh, especially last week. I think it's going to be a much improvement game. And as I said before, these games are usually pretty uh, fun games, pretty good games between the Chargers and Raiders, but I do think with Justin Herbert going down, they're going to be missing him. Uh, also, on a On a short week like this, coming back at Easton Stick and not having as much time and this being his first career start, there is gonna be some I wouldn't say problems, but I would say it's gonna be a little bit tougher for him on a short week making his first start and also not playing for so long. I still have the Raiders winning, but I think it's gonna be a good game. I think it will be back and forth.
0: I'm gonna go with the Chargers winning 21 to 13. I think Eckler gets in the end zone twice. You know, I feel like Eckler's been shying away from that. You know, I think you know, the Easton State gets it done. I just don't trust the Raiders, man. I really don't. You know The couple of games that they did have success when they had their new coach, they were playing like the Jets and the Giants, right? Like two teams that <laughs> – I mean, now the Jets now, who knows? But it's just two teams that weren't expected to have a lot of success. So you look at them as a whole, I just don't expect them to come out with a victory. But who knows? Maybe they're able to. It's a division matchup that a lot of people – don't really care about because these are two teams in the AFC West that won't be making the postseason most likely this year. So I'm gonna go with the Chargers winning, but who knows? It could really go both ways here. I still expect Easton Stick to to lead the Chargers to victory, which you know would be great for my own purposes, just because I think it'd be cool to see you know a guy like Easton Stick have success. But who knows? It could really go both ways. Two young quarterbacks here in the NFL. Thank you guys for listening to another episode here in The Truth. If you guys did enjoy it, make sure you follow The Truth on Twitter at The Truth as One to stay up to date with the latest information regarding The Truth, including podcast dates, podcast uploads, and other important information you don't miss. Make sure you guys also follow the truth on Instagram and TikTok at B.T.T.Truth. We do an Instagram live every Tuesday at 12:30 p.m. Eastern Time, and post the highlights and clips from those Instagram lives on our Instagram and TikTok pages. Are you looking to find a drink that offers peak hydration, raises your energy levels, speeds up your recovery, and keeps your mind sharp to focus and memory? Look no further than with Acid Rainwater. I'm excited to partner with Bloodline Sports AZ and Acid Rainwater, which focuses on peak hydration and productivity while also maintaining an ecosystem-friendly product. Use code Hessen 15 for 15% off every purchase. As always, I'm your host, the one you love the most, joined once again by AJ Ponciano. Take care and good night.